0: The Lloyd's List
1: Shipping Podcast
0: Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, Editor of Lloyd's List. There is a school of thought that would write off the current crisis in seafarer welfare and human rights abuses as an exceptional side effect of an unprecedented pandemic. They would be wrong. I could argue a more objective, editorially balanced view, but the conclusion would be the same. We have seen the human rights of seafarers jeopardised during the pandemic. This is a clear human rights issue. This is causing immense strain, fatigue and exhaustion. It is unsustainable. Not my words before you start complaining about the liberal media bias of this podcast. That was a direct quote from Kitak Lim, the Secretary General of the IMO, who, as you will remember, spent much of last year issuing increasingly frustrated and apparently ignored pleas to his member states to take the crew in crisis seriously. This year's World Maritime Day, seafarers at the core of shipping's future, comes to you from an industry that last year saw cases of seafarer abandonment hit a record high, and they were only the ones that we've heard about. At the murkier end of our industry, human rights abuses sadly continue to go unreported and unremarked upon, even in this podcast. So, with that in mind, I wanted to start the year with a guest who, frankly, we should not be featuring. The NGO Human Rights at Sea has spent the last seven years defining, developing, and sharing the legal and policy basis for addressing the explicit application and enforcement of human rights and highlighting the protection gaps in our industry. The reality is that bodies like this shouldn't exist. David Hammond, the founder and chief executive of Human Rights at Sea, shouldn't need to be on the Lloyd's List podcast guest list, and I shouldn't be getting this angry this early in the year. But here we are. Welcome to the podcast, David Hammond, Chief Executive of Human Rights at Sea. Richard, hello. So we're starting the year with a very necessary discussion around Human Rights at Sea, which is unfortunate, but we spent a lot of last year talking around uh, the coronavirus pandemic, and the reason I wanted you on the podcast this week, early on in the year, is to really hammer home the point, for those who haven't quite clocked it, that Human Rights at Sea is Not just a coronavirus story. Now, I know that that probably won't be news to most of our listeners, but the danger is, of course, that the stories that the general public have seen around 400,000 seafarers being stranded and, and, and the various reporting that we've seen in the mainstream media now means that this could be written off as a bit of an exception. Uh, You know, something that is anomalous and uh, they can move on as soon as the coronavirus disappears and uh, happily forget about shipping once again. The point that we wanted to try and discuss today and raise and really try and hammer home for the industry is, of course, that human rights at sea remains a real concern for the industry. And it's not just a question of coronavirus and, uh, you know, treating seafarers as Uh, key workers and it's not just a question of crew abandonment but of course that is a concern reaching record cases this year and that's not going away as a story not just a question of economic migrants it's not just a question of safety at sea it's all of these things and it continues to be a story throughout the industry and it really should be foremost in everybody's attention do you think that perhaps the experience of the last 12 months is is a positive in that respect, in that it has highlighted some of the concerns within the industry.
1: Well, firstly, Richard, thank you for giving us the opportunity to to speak, and in short, yes. Uh, The real sad issue here is that it's taken a pandemic to put human rights and not just labour rights, which of course are critical to the, the lawful operation within the industry for workers. But but human rights rights uh, on on the front page of the narrative across the industry. Um, And and that, as we've spoken about uh, numerous times off the record, is is a real shame because this is not just an issue, as you say, this year within the COVID pandemic um, focus. It's been going on for millennia. Um, and the reality is now it, it, it's, it's front and centre um, and we really do need to embed the concept, uh, not, not the platform, not our civil society platform, but the concept of human rights that see throughout everything, everything we do uh, and everything that the industry does.
0: And mm. I mean, in terms of that, that balance between the industry perception and the, the mainstream public perception, do you, do you think it's perhaps uh, changed attitudes on both sides?
1: I I do hope so. Um, I'm forever the optimist. You have to be in the human rights game. Um what I'm hoping is that all of the work done by all of the stakeholders, be it uh, the International Chamber of Shipping, be it the UN agencies, be it the unions, be it the welfare organisations, uh, the ship management firms, etc., um, all the stakeholders, um, that, that, that growing sort of tsunami of narrative um, must be picked up and continue to be picked up. And uh, as you really started out, the, the concern is that... Um, you know that's going to die off, and and the only way we can stop that from dying off is to keep the education going, is to keep the um, the, the real awareness of incidents, and really not hide abuses behind the corporate veil.
0: Mm. Well, let's, let's talk about that in, in, in some more detail, because I, I, it was only a few weeks ago that we started doing a quick tally through the International uh, Labour Organization's database of, of, of uh, crew abandonment. And, you know, that is only one metric, I guess. But it is a pretty pertinent one. Now, you know, as of towards the end of December, I think it was uh, when we uh, finished the tally, we were looking at around 76 cases last year. Now, uh, it could have been a few more that we've missed in the subsequent weeks. Uh, but that was a pretty significant rise on last year's figures. And of course, that's just the bits that we know about. And, and as ever within shipping, there's there's always a, a fairly substantial amount of the iceberg um, that's disappearing under the, uh, the media's radar that we're just not aware of. Are you concerned that that uh, particular aspect of, uh, of human rights and the, the industry's attitude towards seafarers is becoming more of a problem?
1: I think it's becoming um, more of a problem because there is greater awareness. Um, looking back before we we went uh, onto this podcast, we were looking back through our work uh, and indeed the work of other fellow partners within the welfare organisations. And of course, the abandonment issue has uh, really came to the forefront 2017, 2018, 2019, particularly in the UAE. But that was only because people took a stand and it was brought to the forefront of the narrative and I keep using this word the narrative but if if we're not telling the truth and the facts and it's not about naming and shaming it's about saying there was an incident this is what happened this is where it went wrong these are the lessons that uh, need to be learned Uh, and where the human rights and indeed labor rights um, uh, implications come into it so that it can be used as a reference tool for policy and legislative change. So the nutshell is that we're seeing a greater ease um, for discussion. But um, from our perspective, after seven years, it, it is an uphill struggle. It's like it's like wading through treacle to actually get engagement on the issue.
0: Mm. And that continues to be an issue. Right? It's an issue of transparency within the industry, and that's that's always been the case. But it's also an issue that, because the industry is so fragmented, so global, uh, and the the various regimes within which shipping sits, they, they will have a different attitude, I guess, towards the uh, the transparency of such cases. Are we de- are we dealing with sort of general trends, or are we dealing with uh, the need to tackle this on a sort of bilateral basis?
1: Well, well, I think we can break it down and, and be positive about the two aspects. If we look at it strategically, um, when we look at a lack of unified action, at the moment, which of course is highlighted in the crew change crisis, but the, by the, the lack of unified engagement across the IMO member states to say that uh, seafarers should be key workers, uh, which arguably should never happen uh, if we are truly unified within uh, member states for certainly flag states. Um, But the politicisation is is a really key piece here because the reality is that nation states, flag states are always going to take their national interest first or indeed arguably with their commercial interests uh, first in, in relation to some of the flag states. Um, but what we are seeing is we're seeing the issues that you and I are now talking about come to the forefront. You know, we are seeing the UN Secretary General on, on the Human Rights Day of the 10th of December stating um, that in terms of the, the pandemic, it's clear. He said this is a clear human rights issue. This is causing immense strain, fatigue and exhaustion and is unsustainable. We wouldn't have heard that arguably 12 months ago. Um, So at at the strategic level, we we really are getting the issue out in the open about about human rights At, at the specific level. Um, You could pick up any real issue here. You could pick up uh, the issue of abandonment, as we've just done. We can look at the issue of deprivation of liberty at sea, um, particularly with the Naive Andromeda um, case just come to the forefront with a Crown Prosecution's uh, outcome of that and why they didn't charge the two suspects, Um, as equally as you can look at the issue of rescue at sea for the migrants in the Mersketien case. So so the, the human rights piece we are pleased to say is coming back, is coming to the forefront. But to finish off, uh, the reality is that as a civil society organisation, human rights at sea should not even exist uh, in today's date, uh, today simply because these issues are so fundamental and core to the everyday working business of the industry.
0: Well, I mean that's a, a very pertinent comment. The fact that you know an organisation such as yourself shouldn't exist, and you name-checked the IMO Secretary General raising human rights on 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 uh, you know a big public platform. We had uh, everybody from the Pope to the UN Secretary General um, last year, uh, and and various international leaders in between, all trying to highlight the um, the plight of the uh, you know abandoned crew. Which was in many ways very good and also very instructive about the uh, lack of visibility that they had, but at no point did any of these interventions actually make the blindest bit of difference in terms of how crew were being treated uh, at a port level. Um, and at that point, we were, you know, getting mired in the bureaucracy of uh, of how such things work. And arguably, you know, that was an exceptional series of cases. But I would argue actually that it was very instructive about the the way in which um, shipping and seafarers themselves are are held internationally. They are low down the priority list in terms of any government when it comes to sorting this stuff out.
1: Well, agreed. Um, And the sad thing is that we have incredibly powerful institutions and state bodies, and yet the reality is the individuals who keep global trade, as we all know, flowing, are not supported on a unified basis even within the IMO member states which is remarkable um, and this isn't about going after per se the IMO it's just highlighting the facts that I believe and i stand to be corrected only 46 states um, I say I do stand to be corrected but 46 states at the last reading actually said crew um, uh, you know were key workers well that sums it up in a nutshell. But but Richard, the issue here is that a lot of it needs to be dialed back a bit further. We need to unwrap this. And the starting point is certainly for for ourselves in in our organisation, is that when we speak to people about human rights, people either glaze over when you start talking about it, or they say, oh, no, that's the Maritime Labour Convention. So fundamentally, the understanding of what fundamental human rights under the Universal Declaration 1948 and those 30 articles mean is not widely known across the industry. So therefore, there is your starting point. And the second point is that, as you're aware, we our founding principle and everything we work to is that uh, is that human rights apply at sea as they do? Uh, on land. And that, that principle, Richard, needs to be embedded, we would say, and not for our platform but for for the actual concept of human rights see across the entire industry. And until the IMO until flag states start talking and framing it in this way, then there's not going to be an uh, a necessity rather for people to to talk about it, embed it in the management chain, be aware of it within um, risk assessments, for example.
0: Well, look, we are chundering through January already, but we wanted to give you a platform early in the year. So, you know, consider this the uh, platform to dish out your New Year's resolutions and your message to the industry. What what message would you give the list Podcast listeners? And what would you say is the, is the sort of the big ticket items that needs to be uh, paid attention to this year? Uh,
1: well, well, thank you. Um, firstly... Uh, and we've said it recently, and we're very grateful to uh, Danish Shipping and the team there for reaching out after the Murschetti case, along with other civil society organisations. But the point was that um, shipping entities have started reaching out to civil society. And, and I'm not going to talk just about myself but uh, and ourselves. It's about uh, civil society having value. Um traditionally there's been a real structure where we're we're not the official social partners um, and we're almost uh, uh, historically been seen as uh, once described as the annoying mosquito in the ear but the reality is this year with the pandemic has put human rights at the forefront and so we do feel vindicated so the the headline really is Well, the first headline is, you know, do engage with us. We have an open door policy, uh, over 83 international publications, case studies, educational materials, all funded by the likes of Seafarers UK and other key funders um, who uh, allow us to give this away for free. Um, And and so there is a wealth of um, materials available to to the industry. Um, and, And secondly, I would say that, Uh, What we would like to see is the normalisation of the terminology of human rights and human rights at sea, again not about the platform, uh, civil society platform, but about the the narrative and the concept embedded um, throughout uh, the entire supply chain um, and and based around that single principle that human rights apply at sea as they do on land Uh, and we believe that matters will then fall out from that that will engage enable us to engage with industry a lot better but um if you if you want to know what's really happening with human rights to come to the horse's mouth
0: well, I would wear annoying mosquito label uh, as a badge of honour personally, but uh, we will no doubt be picking up on various aspects of the human rights themes throughout the year in the podcast. But for now, David Hammond, Chief Executive of Human Rights at Sea, thank you very much for joining the Lois List podcast.
1: Thank you, Richard. Appreciate it.